Uh, good to be with you again, church family. It is good to be here. Uh, you've noticed we're having the same verse every week, maybe different parts of the same thing from John 15. You're wondering how many times can this guy preach on this? I can do it for a while. I want you to know I can go for a while on this one. There's something about uh, finding a scripture uh, that reveals to you maybe some of the depths of the good news of Christ. And this is that one for me. And so I can't wait to share it with you. I can't wait to tell you about um, how great it is and the freedom that comes in understanding the gospel, the good news. To me, this scripture is full of good news. There's just good news all over it. And today in particular, uh, there's some great news. And so I'm excited to be able to share this with you. I hope you'll stick with me today. Uh, let me talk to you a little bit more about uh, the freedom that comes in Christ, especially in these verses. Uh, I'm, I'm focused a lot today in particular on verse 5 because it, it identifies and uh, defines our relationship. I'm the vine, you're the branch. Those who abide in me and I in them bear much fruit because apart from me, you can do nothing. This sets the relationship. God says, this, Jesus says, this is who I am. This is who you are. This is what you can do. This is what you can't do. And inside of that, there is so much good news. Let's pray uh, before we dig into this. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the way that you love us. Lord, we are thankful uh, that you're our God. And Lord, I ask that as we dig into your scripture today, Lord, that we will see the heart of uh, what is in these words, that we will realize what you're trying to explain to us, that you're explaining how you love us, that you're explaining your power, that you're explaining to us um, our neediness for you. And Lord, we ask that we would have eyes to see and ears to hear what a great blessing it is to rely on you, to let you do your work and for us to belong to you. And it's in the name of Jesus we ask all of this. Amen. So uh, here's our picture again. I'm going to put it up all the time. And in particular, I want you to know this is what we're focusing on. If you look at this, I'll say again, this is Jesus saying, I'm the vine, which is the large piece going across the bottom there. You're the branch, which is the small piece that's coming off of that. Uh, in particular, this week we're going to talk about the fruit because he mentions the fruit. In this scripture where he talks about this, he uses some pretty powerful words about fruit. And so it's important for us to look at this. One thing you need to understand is there is no such thing as a disciple of Jesus without fruit. It is assumed. It is part of the deal. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, you will have fruit that looks like Jesus. That is just understood. That is part of the deal. But what we want to do is we want to take a hard look at what fruit is, and we want to have the right relationship with it. We want to have the right perspective on what that is. Because in this verse, Jesus uses some word, words where there's no wiggle room. He makes it very clear. He says, in me, a lot of fruit. Outside of me, no fruit. It's not a little fruit. It's not kind of some fruit. It's None. Without being attached to me, there is no fruit that's healthy. There's no fruit that's good. You will not create anything in any way. You will not bear anything that looks like me. And so what you've got is really nothing. Now, those are some strong words. And when you look at those and take those in, I think it should sober us a little bit with the idea of realizing how powerful those words are. It's to go with me, a lot of fruit. Without me, no fruit at all. But here's the important thing with this, and this is the part that has set me free uh, for so long in, in this scripture is to go, but 
here's the deal. Fruit is so important, but you don't make fruit. That's what Jesus is talking about as much as anything is to go, you don't make fruit. I make fruit. You bear fruit. And that's different. You need to understand that word of bearing fruit is like carrying fruit. You'll display the fruit. The fruit will be on you, but you don't make it. You can't make fruit. And I want to tell you, that's good news. That takes a lot of pressure off because we can get really focused on trying to make sure that we make a lot of fruit in our life. And what Jesus is saying is that's not your job. A branch can't sit there and strain and work and go, I'm really going to try hard to make fruit. You don't have the ability. If you recall, I, I mentioned to you a few w- weeks ago that I had a, a guy who was a vine dresser uh, and, and a sommelier uh, talked to me. And a sommelier, his name was Sean, Sean Croft. And uh, he shared with me a lot of things. And one of the things that I remember him mentioning that gave me so much clarity in this is to say the vine is pure energy. It's pure power. That's what it is. As a matter of fact, you could take branches from another plant and you could graft them onto that vine. And what would happen is you would start producing fruit that looks like that vine. Why? Because that vine is pure energy. It's pure power. That's what it is. And so what we have to realize as much as anything is to go, I'm not the vine. It's not my job to do what the vine does. It's my job as a branch to let the vine do what it does through me and for me to display the fruit that looks like the vine. Here's the problem. As human beings, we are drawn towards the fruit. Our eyes go right to it. I mean, if you look at this picture, you got the, the vine that's going across there is kind of brown and it's got some bark on it. You got the branches coming up, but your eyes immediately go to that beautiful fruit. That purple, dark colored fruit, the fleshly part of me wants to go and wants to look at that. And the reason is because there's a lot of things that can be defined right there in the fruit. There's a lot of things there that my flesh uh, can see, right? That's one of the things about fruit that is so interesting is that you can look at that and see how it assaults the senses. It's beautiful to the eyes. It has a great smell. Uh, It has a, a great taste. All of these things that I can quantify, all of these things that I can see, I can count it. I can look at it, right? I can compare it maybe to somebody else. I can touch it. I can feel it. I can take a selfie with it and put it on social media. There's all these things that I can do that appeal to the fleshly part of me. And not only that, but I can look at yours. And then I can see how mine is compared to yours. That's one of the things about the fruit that we have to be careful with because our eyes are drawn directly to the fruit and that's the thing that we want to look at. The problem with that is we can get to obsessing about the wrong thing. We can get to obsessing about the fruit in our lives, about the things that we do, about the consequences of our lives, about the things that we're able to accomplish and instead of looking at Christ who is the vine, we start drawing our eyes towards the fruit, and there's some danger in that. And that's what I want to talk to us about this morning. We're going to talk about the difference between having a fruit focus and a vine focus. So we're going to start with this one. A fruit focus looks at the how or the how much, and a vine focus looks at the heart. That is a huge deal when we realize what it means to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. When I say the how and the how much, 
What I really mean more than anything is what can happen is we can get concerned when we have a fruit focus in how we're doing things. It's the form of things that matter. It's whether or not we're doing them right or wrong. And then this leads to the how actually becoming the thing in, things in our life that are the vine. It becomes the source. I want to tell you, I know several of us, and I was raised this way, I was raised in a way that said the how you do things and the form that you do things is more important than anything. There are five acts of worship, and you can't combine those things. There are five steps to salvation. There is form in everything that we do. And there's a right way to do things, and there's a wrong way to do things. There was a prescribed method. The problem with that is so much of that has to do with what I'm doing as opposed to what Jesus has done. And with that, it can lead us to a danger of the how and the form actually becoming the vine. It can become our identity. It can become our source for what we do. It can become the thing that we rely on. We decide that that's where our righteousness is in the things, in how we do the things that we do. But the how was never intended to be the vine. It can't support that sort of weight. It can't sustain us, and it can't be our identity. Throughout Jesus' life, he shows us that the motivation of the heart is always more important than the how that we do things or the how much we do. Let me give you a few examples. You're familiar with the story in Luke 18 of the Pharisee and the tax collector who went to the temple to pray. Jesus tells this story, and if you recall, the reason he tells this story is because he said, I need to talk to those who are confident in their own righteousness. That's why he told this story. He said, if you're confident in your own righteousness, if what you've been doing is you've been relying on the way that you do things, if you can point and look and go, look at this fruit, I know that I'm doing well because I'm doing it right, and I'm relying on that, then he tells this story. There was a Pharisee, and there was a tax collector, and they both went to the temple to pray. One of them got up and gave you his resume. I do this, I do this, I fast, I give to the poor, this is what I do. The other one got down, kneeled, beat on his chest, said, Lord, forgive me, for I'm a sinner. Now, if you want to look at the fruit, you could look at the Pharisee, and you could see what he's doing. You could look at these things and go, oh, wow. You look at his resume, it looks pretty good. You look at the tax collector's resume, it looks pretty bad. And this is where Jesus turns it upside down. Because what he does is he said, don't get distracted by that. I tell you that it was the tax collector that left there justified, not the Pharisee. And the reason was because one of them had a reliance on his father, and one of them had a reliance on his own work. It's not the how, it's the heart. You remember the story of the widow's mite? Jesus and his disciples are standing in the temple. People are coming by to give, and there's a lot of people in there giving a lot of money. And then a widow comes through. She drops two mites in there. Now, if you want to look at the fruit, if you want to be fruit-focused, you could look at this, and you could go how and how much. Who gave the most? That's a fruit focus. You can look and go, how often did they give? That's a fruit focus. What Jesus did is point her out and said, that one, that's the one. She's the one that gave the most because she gave all that she had. If you want to be fruit-focused, you can weigh it out. You can count the money. But if you want to be heart-focused, what you have is Jesus saying, it's the heart that matters more than the how much. Then there's Mark 14. Jesus is at the home of Simon the leper. 
And a woman comes in with an alabaster jar of perfume that it says is worth about a year's wages. She breaks it, breaks it open. She pours it on Jesus' head. It says there were some religious people there, and their first reaction is to go, you're doing it wrong. That's not what she should have done with this. She should have done something different. And I got to tell you, from the way that I was raised too, right, that doesn't fit into any of the five forms of worship. Breaking open an alabaster jar, pouring perfume all over the place. You're doing it wrong. That was the complaint against her. The how wasn't right. And instead what you had was Jesus going, you leave her alone. Don't you touch her. What she did was a beautiful thing. And not only that, but when the gospel is shared, when the good news is shared later, her story will be told. And guess what? Here we are, 2,000 years later, and we're talking about her and what she, what she did. The fruit focus says you didn't do it right. The vine focus says, look at how attached she is to her Savior. And of course, we mentioned a few weeks ago about Paul as he went through his resume of all of the things that he has done. And it's impressive. And then he goes, you know what? It's all garbage. Every bit of it's just garbage. You want to know why? It's because it wasn't connected to the thing that actually saves. It wasn't connected to Jesus. I consider it all garbage now. It's not the how. It's not the how much. It's the heart. Here's another thing that happens that we have to be careful of. is a fruit focus presumes the vine, and a vine focus is assured of the fruit. It presumes the vine. A fruit focus presumes the vine. In other words, if you see fruit, then you have to presume he's attached to the vine. We look at fruit and we go, obviously that's what it is. And you can't do that. You can't assume. You can't presume. And I think Jesus talks a lot about that. I also call this theory the flowers don't tell the whole story theory. Let me tell you why. A few years ago, I'm at HEB and I'm picking up some stuff. And I get in line and there's a young guy. He looks like he's maybe uh, mid to young 30s. And he's carrying this big bouquet of flowers. And as he's walking through, I kind of looked at him and I went, uh, she's going to be happy with you. And he looks at me and he kind of laughs and he says, uh, you'd think so, but I just got back from Vegas and I'm in big trouble. <laughs> you see what I assumed? I assumed a relationship. I assumed a life connected. And what I got was a guy who evidently whatever he did in Vegas didn't stay in Vegas. Right? And so he's taking flowers to his wife. Now, let me give you another story. Went and visited with Vicki and Ray some families this week from our church. And I went into the home of a couple who've been married for over 50 years, and there's this big bouquet of flowers that looked a lot like the ones I saw in HEB years ago. And so I asked the wife, I said, who brought you these flowers? And she said, oh, my husband brought those to me. She said, we've been married over 50 years and for a long time, I took care of him, and now he's taking care of me, and they're beautiful. Now, you want to focus on fruit, you put those two bouquets of flower right next to each other, and you go, they look the same. They look the same. They're not. That's not the same fruit. One of those is based on, really, a betrayal of a relationship. And the other one is based on the beauty of a relationship. They're not the same thing. That's why we can't just look at fruit and go, well, 
I see you coming to church. You must have a great relationship with Jesus. That's not what that means, right? That's not the way it works. We get that backwards. And, and, and I want to remind you, those flowers for that wife whose husband had been in Vegas, do you think she looks at those and goes, what a beautiful thing, a picture of our relationship and our closeness, and this represents everything we are to each other. She probably looks at those and her heart breaks. Because what that is, is a band-aid to try and fix something that's wrong much, much deeper. And when you have the wife of the member here who looks at her flowers, that's a reminder of a deep relationship, an abiding love that goes back for years and years. It's not the same thing. The flowers don't tell the whole story. That is a big part of this. He could be bringing flowers because that's just what you do. It's anniversary and I have to bring flowers. Not the same thing. You can bring flowers because I messed up. It's not the same thing. You could have a husband who brings flowers to his wife because it makes him look good in front of the people that are around when at home there's an abusive relationship. It's not the same thing. The flowers do not tell the whole story, and we can't get confused as to which one comes before the other. You can bring flowers to your wife, and it doesn't mean you have a great relationship, but I can tell you from the couple that I saw, with an abiding love and a relationship from over 50 years, there's going to be fruit. I'm not saying it's flowers or not, and please hear me today, I'm not giving anybody a pass. No husband's I'm not giving anybody a pass to not bring flowers. Don't go home and say, the preacher said, I don't have to bring flowers to you because it doesn't mean anything. That's not what I'm saying. But what I am saying is that if you have that abiding love and that relationship, there will be fruit. There's going to be flowers of some sort in that relationship. There's no way around it. It will be there. It's the relationship that matters more than just the actions. When we're fruit-focused, we can look at fruit and think that it's really healthy and it looks like fruit should look, and then you just assume it must come from a relationship that's healthy and a relationship that comes to the true vine. But throughout Jesus' teachings, again, he'd say, one thing we learn is just because some, some people do some things that are kind of fruit-like, it doesn't actually mean that they're attached to the true vine. And the other thing is that we're not qualified to judge it. That's a big part. We're not qualified to look at fruit and judge it and see where it came from. Let me give you some examples about how some things that may look like fruit weren't exactly coming from the right place and how Jesus pointed those out. Matthew 15, 8 and 9. Before I read this one to you, I want to set it up and let you know that before, uh, right before this scripture, what this is is a question from the Pharisees to Jesus going, why aren't your disciples honoring the tradition of the elders in the way that they wash their hands. Why aren't they doing it? And again, why aren't they doing it right? Why didn't the fruit look right? Why doesn't it look the way that it's supposed to? And this is the way Jesus responded to them. He said, he quotes Isaiah, and he said, These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain, and their teaching are merely human rules. Your worship is vain. In other words, your acts, your fruit, they mean nothing. There's nothing in there. Why? Because the heart's not right. It's not coming from the right place. This doesn't come from the source of the vine. It doesn't have God as its center. Instead, what you're doing is you're acting one way where your heart is in a different way. 
You can't tell me, you can't tell who my disciple is by the way that they wash their hands. You're not qualified to judge that fruit and to know what the source is from that. Then there's Matthew 7, 21 through 23, and this is right after Jesus is talking about trees bearing fruit. And he talks about a good tree bears good fruit, bad tree bears bad fruit. It has a lot to do with what we're talking about here with the vine and the branches. But one of the things that he says here is not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and drive out demons in your name and perform many miracles? Then I will tell you plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. That scripture causes me to shudder a little bit because what you have is somebody going, look, fruit, fruit, fruit. Here's the things that I've done. I prophesied. I drove out demons. I did miracles. All of these are good things. And you can have Jesus look at them and go, I don't even know you. You were never connected to me. You never did these things from a source that belonged to me. You never had a life that was submitted to me. You weren't focused on the connection that you and I have. Instead, what you're doing is you're pointing out fruit instead of pointing out at the connection between the vine and the branch. Evildoers? Serious language that he has that. For us, it means that good works are not necessarily evidence of a life that abides in the vine. And no works that are done by us will lead to a relationship in the vine. That's one of the things that sometimes we get backwards. I'll do good things until I have a good relationship with Christ, and it doesn't work that way. Obedience is fruit, but it's not the vine. And we need to remember that. Obedience doesn't even lead to the vine. It's a result of being connected to the vine. And that's good news for us because that means I get to focus on one thing. I just have to keep my eyes on my Savior. I have to keep close to Him. I need to follow where He goes. I need to do what He does. I need to act the way that He does. And fruit will come. It's not attending church. It's not Bible study. It's not how many people that you've fed that are poor. It's not working for social justice. It's not remaining sexually pure. None of those is a substitute for abiding in Christ. But if you abide in Christ, that fruit will come. I can do all of those things that I just mentioned and not have a relationship with God at all. Not have the true vine in my life as the source of who I am and my identity. That's what Jesus had to say to the Pharisees more than anything. He goes, you're doing all these right things. Here's the problem. It's not coming from the right source. And if you want to rely on your resume and the things that you do right, it will let you down. As a matter of fact, there's really only one of two things that will happen. If you want to start relying on your resume of the things that you do, it's going to to end badly in one of two ways. Either you're going to be self-righteous about it when you compare yourself to somebody else, which leads to pride. And that has no place, really, when you're following Christ. Or the other thing is you're going to start comparing it, and it's not as good as you want, and it leads to self-loathing and shame. But if you want to rely on the things that you do to display your righteousness or is what your relationship is, it's always going to end poorly. We can't get the cart before the horse on this. You have to understand it's that relationship, that closeness with Jesus that will lead to the fruit that he will make in your life. And sometimes, not only do we get it wrong with ourselves, we kind of get it wrong with others when we share the gospel. Sometimes, 
when we share the gospel that what we do is we teach people that obedience comes before the vine. We oftentimes insist that people who don't belong to Christ obey first. You need to clean up your life. We teach them inadvertently that the path to Christ is through obedience. And that's not it. It's never been it. How in the world would a branch that is not attached to the true vine be able to produce fruit that we're looking for? It can't. Too often we demand from people that aren't believers Christ-like fruit in their sexual lives or in their treatment of those in the womb or in their treatment of each other and of us. We demand obedience to a vine that they do not know. And there's no way they can do that. Let's go back to the beginning. If you abide in me, much fruit. If you don't abide in me, no fruit. Zero. None. Instead of trying to get others to change their fruit, it would be better if what we did was introduce them to the one true vine and then we let him produce the fruit in them that lasts. It's not obedience. It's that relationship, that reliance. It is a life that is given up and is forfeit to Christ that will produce the fruit that we want. And I promise you, if you focus on the vine, that fruit that lasts, it will come. He will make it in his time and in his way. And then finally, the last one, a fruit focus delights in blessings. And a vine focus delights in the blesser. And this one's an important one. The reward is not the blessings. And it's not to our glory, it's to the glory of Christ. What it does is it turns us into people who say, look what I have, instead of look what he did. And we need to be people who are always focused on look what he did. It's the blesser that we desire. It's having him in our lives. It's letting him do his work through us. It's relying on what he did with the cross and with the empty tomb. It is our focus on what he's done more than what he can do for us. Because let me tell you, this is the other one. A lot of times we start comparing and we look and we go, I don't understand why the fruit that God's making in my life doesn't look the way I want it to. I don't understand why it's not coming in the time that I want. I don't understand why he's not doing this for me when it looks like he's doing this for somebody else. And then we get in that spot where what we're doing is we're going, where are my blessings? Where's my stuff? Instead of looking at Christ and going, what you have is eternal. What he's given you will last forever, and it can't be replaced. You realize the number of times that Pharisees, teachers of the law, and other people would come before Jesus, and they'd want something from him. They'd go, do a sign. Show us a sign. Give us a miracle. Give us some fruit so that we know you are who you say you are. And every time he wouldn't do it. He never did. He would never do that. The idea of going, if you don't produce the fruit I'm looking for, then I won't believe you who you are, is a huge mistake. But do you realize what he did do? Is if you want to come up and go, Jesus, perform a sign, do a miracle, he'd say no. But if you just followed him, if you just followed him around, if you hung out with him, if you stayed right next to him, do you know what you saw? I mean, you saw lepers being cleansed. You saw the dead being risen. You saw those that were blind being able to see. You saw those that had demons, the demons being cast out. But the question wasn't to demand the fruit. 
What really mattered was to go, I'm staying right next to him. And right next to him is where something amazing is going to happen. There's an old saying in Jewish culture that has to do with following a rabbi when you follow a rabbi. Some of you know this already. I can see you starting to smile. One of the blessings that they would give you is if you're a disciple and you follow a rabbi, is they would come to you and say, may you be covered in the dust of your rabbi. And what that means is may you stay right behind him to where everywhere he goes, you get it all over you. And whatever he does, it just covers you up. And everything that he does, you just have it all over you. You can't get away from it. May you be covered in the dust of your rabbi. May you stay so close to him that the dust that he kicks up stays on you forever. And that's our call. We focus on the vine. We know that it's the vine that's the gift. We know that it's that relationship between the branch and the vine that will make fruit eventually come. Jesus' call is, you just stay near me. And that's the freedom. That's the good news. You are not in charge of making fruit. You're in charge of hanging on tight and staying right next to Christ. And then you watch him do what he does in his time and in his way. We're going to take a uh, time for prayer today. Uh, we did this a few weeks ago. I want to do this again if we can. I want us to be uh, a congregation that continues to pray. We need to pray with each other. We need to pray to Christ. We need to, when we're faced with the words of God here in Scripture, is to be able to go to him and go, change me. Let me rely on you more. Let me be someone who is able to see the things that keep me away from you. Cleanse me of those things. We need to be people who feel comfortable in, in, in coming before Christ with prayers of repentance, with prayers of confession, claiming the cleansing that comes from that and claiming the forgiveness that comes from that. And so what we're going to do is we're going to take some time to be able to pray today. So here's what I'd like to do. If you would, would you please stand? And we're going to take a little time and sing a few songs. We'd love for you uh, to spend some time in prayer. We're going to have elders out around here and their spouses, ministers out around here. If you want to pray with somebody, maybe you have a prayer of thanksgiving. Maybe you have a prayer of repentance. Maybe you'd like to go and say, hey, would you help me pray that I keep my mind and my eyes focused on the vine more than I do the fruit? You'll have that opportunity to do that. We want you to be able to, if you need to, pray where you are. We'll sing, you pray where you are if you need to pray silently. If you know somebody around here that you would like to pray with, feel comfortable going over and just praying with them. Pray with the people around you. But this is a time where we want to take this, we want to take all of this that we've been able to talk about and all that we've been able to see, and we want to take it before the Lord. So I'm going to pray here. We're going to sing a few songs, and then Clay's going to close this time out. If you would just remain standing, that allows people a little uh, more space to be able to move. Let's pray. Holy God, we do thank you uh, for your words of life. Lord, we thank you for the fruit that you have made in our lives. And Lord, we recognize right now uh, that it is our connection to you that matters most. And Lord, for any of those who may be in this building right now who don't have a connection to you, Lord, we ask that you would pierce their hearts and that they would hear the call that you have to come to me, to lay down your burdens because my yoke is easy, and that they would find rest in understanding that it is you who makes fruit and they would belong to you. Lord, for those of us who have spent too much time, so many of us that have spent too much time focused on the fruit in our lives instead of the relationship with you, Lord, we repent for that. And we claim the forgiveness that you've already given us. We claim the, the cleansing that you have for us and that the blood of Christ continuously cleanses us. 
And Lord, for those that are hurting right now, that, look, that are looking for fruit in their lives that is yet to come, Lord, we ask that you give us patience, that you let us keep our eyes on you, waiting on you and having faith in you. And it's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.